Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Well, I hope you're all doing pretty well with your social distancing. We're certainly doing that here at the church. I'm looking out at a BB in a shoebox right now, so we are getting used to all of this, I guess. Uh, but I, uh, I applaud you for uh, being good citizens as well as we're trying to be good Christians and do what we're being advised to do to keep everybody healthy and safe. You know, social distancing because of uh, an outbreak is not really anything new. I told the other services uh, when I was about five years old, I had chicken pox. So my mom had me socially distanced from all of my little friends. So we got really creative. We uh, went and decided we'd go to a den window, raise the window, pop out the screen. My buddies were on the outside. I was on the inside. We're thinking, hey, that's social distance, right? So we just kind of played across the window pane with each other. Sadly, within about two weeks, my buddies came down with a chicken pox. As a kid, I never understood how that worked. But uh, we're trying to keep each other safe. And uh, so we'll maintain this distance as long as uh, they advise us to do so. But uh, I am so happy and thrilled that ministry just continues to happen. You know, when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that certainly included a virus. And so he is uh, able, he's capable, God is at work. In fact, the theme of our talk this morning is how that God can give us a clear message in the mess. How God is still speaking, even though it seems like things are difficult and stressful. God has a purpose, he has a plan. Our series, Paradox, is really timely for the times that we're living in because a paradox, as you well know, is a statement that is true but also contradictory. And we've seen so many paradoxical things that have happened uh, during, this, uh, during this outbreak. Uh, for example, in our solitude, we have become more sociable. It's ironic how that has worked out. You're probably more connected to your family and friends through social media than you were before all of this began to happen. We've also seen how out of some bad circumstances, so many good things can happen. People helping their neighbors and people reaching out and offering to minister to other people and people praying perhaps more than they've ever prayed before. So we're seeing that strange dichotomy, that paradoxical reality of how out of a difficult circumstance, good things can come. And God is constantly in the the business of doing that very thing. It's the principle of Romans 8:28. We know, we know, Paul said, all things work together for good. He didn't say all things are good. He said all things have an ability to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called to his purpose. And we're already seeing how so many good things have come out of this bad circumstance. We're able as a church to minister to hundreds of people through our food pantry, and that number continues to grow. And so ministry continues to happen through the life of the church in the midst of this very stressful and difficult time for so many people. You know, there's something that, <clears throat> that struck me this last week as I thought about the nature and the character of God. There's a passage in Isaiah 48 and verse 10 that refers to God as a refiner, a refiner. Now, if you understand that ancient art and that craft, you know that first thing a refiner will do is go and capture the mineral, and he'll take the mineral out of the mountain. And then through the process of refining the mineral, he works to get the mountain out of the mineral. 
So first you get the mineral out of the mountain, and then you get the mountain out of the mineral, and it's a process, and it's a process that requires heating the mineral. It requires fire. And so that mineral is stressed, it's in a vessel, it's being heated, and while the vessel is uh, heating and while the mineral is cooking, the refiner sets over the process observing it and watching it. And not just observing and watching it, he's intricately involved in it. He has a skimmer, and as the impurities are bubbling out of that mineral, the refiner will skim the impurities off of the top. And that process, I'm told, continues, that refining process continues until the refiner looking in the mineral can see his face reflected there. And once he sees his face reflected in the mineral, he'll know the mineral is pure. Well, what's God doing? And as the heat has been turned up and as this virus outbreak has happened and as so many people are stressing, God is at work as a refiner. He is at work purifying and he is at work bringing out character and value out of all of our lives. He's uh, about bringing about qualities in our people in this country that we didn't even know existed. He is setting over us as a refiner sets over a fire. And verse 29 of Romans 8 also says that the process is uh, about him uh, being uh, seen in and through our lives. Uh, it is a process that he's working on us so that we, uh, give it to you another way, we reflect who he is. We reflect his love. We reflect his compassion. We reflect his mercy. And so God is in a process of working in and through our lives and the bad circumstances, paradoxically, things can work out for good if we'll cooperate with this process. So think about him in that way. There's a character in the Bible who so beautifully illustrates the work of God in his life, not just with the good things that happened to him, but particularly with the bad things that happened to him. It was the apostle Paul. Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. And yet, I, as I study the Bible, I, I don't find anybody that went through any more than the Apostle Paul. And he didn't bring these problems on himself. These were things that just happened to him as a, as a result of doing the right thing. What's frustrating is when you go through circumstances of life that you didn't bring on yourself. And when you began to connect the dots of your life, you realize I'm really trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm trying to do a good job in my work. I mean, I'm doing all of these things right. I'm checking all the right boxes. And why in the world are these rough things happening in my life? Well, that was the apostle Paul. And Paul was realizing that in the midst of the mess that he found himself in in life, God was still speaking. And can I say to you as well, God is still speaking in the midst of the mess that we're going through. God is still speaking. He has a plan, he has a purpose, he is a refiner. He's doing things for our good, ultimately for his glory. He's doing these things so that we can be a true reflection of who he is. One of the things that going through a fire as the mineral in the refiner's pot, one of the things that happens to the mineral is that, uh, and a person that goes through a similar process is that they are sensitized. You become sensitive to people around you when you go through a struggle. How many people have reached out through social media and said, look, if I can help you, let me know. I'm going to the grocery store. I'll hook you up. I found some toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, everybody is working to help everybody. And one of the things about going through a, a, a troublesome time is it sensitizes us. Not only that, it sanitizes us. Uh, it, it brings out the impurities and it allows us to reflect on our own life and it allows us to check our own heart. So I'm, I'm just saying, that God works in these circumstances as a refiner. And in the middle of the mess, 
you can find, if you look, and if you're sensitive, you can find a message from God. Certainly the Apostle Paul did. Now let me give you a setup for the text I want to read you in just a moment. Paul had promised the church at Corinth that when he got off of one of his missionary journeys, he was going to come back and spend some time with him. That was a promise he made to them. He was excited about it. They were excited about it. He was going to have some quality time to teach and minister to them, but he doesn't show up. He doesn't show up. And so they're all saying, well, Paul was supposed to be here. He said he was coming and he's not here. I don't know what's going on with Paul. And I've told you before, there's nothing worse than when the upright get uptight. And so the church immediately started thinking the very worst about Paul. I can't believe he promised us this and he didn't do it. I can't believe Paul no-showed us. He gave us his word. I mean, after all, he's a man of God. He's, he, did, he gave us his word. Doesn't his word mean anything? And they were even questioning whether or not Paul was genuinely a spokesman for God. I mean, they really went dark on him. <laughs> and on the other side, Paul was upset with him. What they didn't know is he had been beaten and left for dead. So Paul is saying, you're dogging me and you're criticizing me and I'm dying in a pile over here. Does anybody care about me? And what you had in that, in that story is this classic failure to communicate, right? Where Paul should have told them what was going on. And listen, they should have cut the brothers some slack. They shouldn't have gone to the, to the worst possible scenario. They should have cut him some slack. It's a beautiful lesson for us to learn. And sometimes people in our life don't meet our expectation. Instead of cutting them some slack, our knee jerk is to go to the very darkest place and assume the very worst thing. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7? He said, hey, don't judge. Don't judge your neighbor. He said, because whatever judgment you measure out will be the same judgment I'm going to meet back at you. There's a couple of reasons why we don't judge. <laughs> Number one, that's not what he's called us to do. We're called to be witnesses, not judges. So we're not to judge because that's God's job, not ours. And number two, we don't have all the facts, right? We assume some things, and we're often wrong when we do those things. And that's what happened here. So Paul is trying now to heal this breach between himself and between the church. The devil has exploited it because he's created this unity and division, which that's his plan every time. Wherever there's unity, he tries to create disunity. Wherever there is vision, he tries to create division. And so the devil is at work while God is at work and Paul is connecting the dots and finally realizes what's going on and finally they get on the same page. And Paul gives his beautiful summary to what he discovered in the middle of that mess and you find it in our text. If you have a Bible, look with me in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. Paul opens with this expression, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love Paul's attitude. I love his outlook. No matter what he's gone through, no matter what he's going through, he's careful to give God praise. He's careful to be thankful. If he's in jail and he's writing to the church in uh, uh, Philippi, in the, in the little letter of the Philippians, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What a beautiful outlook. What a wonderful attitude. And so he's saying to these Christ followers in Corinth, praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice how he describes him. He describes him as the father of compassion. And then he says he is the God of all comfort. And then he describes what he does. He comforts us, note now, in all our troubles. Not some of them, all of them. All of our troubles. And note now, he does this so that we can comfort those, note now, in any trouble. Big trouble, little trouble, medium-sized trouble, doesn't matter what kind of trouble they're in. Uh, we can have the ability to comfort them. How do we do that? He explains it this way. We do it with the comfort we ourselves 
receive from God. So we give what we receive. Listen, you can't give what you don't have any more than you can come from where you've not been. And so Paul is saying, look, God has poured something into my life so that I can pour into the lives of other people. And in this little narrative, I want to point out three powerful messages Paul received in the mess. And it's applicable and, by the way, available to us today. Number one, he saw something of God's compassion. God's compassion. Did you get the expression I read just a moment ago? He is the Father. He is the God of all compassion. He is the God that has the ability to sympathize. He is the God that has the ability to empathize. He feels for us. He feels with us. The idea of the word compassion means to feel with someone. It means to connect with that person uh, in their pain. And Paul is saying God is the God that has that empathy. He has the ability and the power to connect with us in the middle of our, our pain. One of the incredible things about God is when you understand his nature and how he works in the middle of troubles and trials that we face in life, here's a principle in scripture, and that is this. He always has the solution out there before the problem ever presents himself. Did you hear what I said? He has a solution out there before the problem ever presents himself. The Bible says in Revelation 13, 8, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was the solution before sin ever entered the picture. And I'm just suggesting in your life, he's the solution before the problem ever presented itself. He knows where he's going. He knows how this is going to work out. He is on his throne. He is in control. God is still sovereign. He is overall as the refiner. He is working, skimming the impurities and purifying his people as the refiner. So God is at work. And Paul said, when I came to terms with that, I realized this enormous, this great, this compassionate, this holy and righteous God. He is the God of all compassion. He feels what I feel when I go through what I'm going through. Remember the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 4, 5, we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was in all points tempted as we are, but he without sin. The writer of Hebrews said, I came to terms with the reality that there's nothing that I experience in life that God cannot relate to, that he cannot connect with me on. I don't care what your problem is, betrayal, um, uh, abandonment, um, financial reverse, um, death, the loss of someone significant. There's not an emotion you can experience. There's nothing you can go through in life that puts you in a place where God cannot connect with you, where he cannot relate to you. Listen, he is the God of all comfort. Let me give you another thought on that. And that is the fact that there's nowhere you can go that God's not already there. First invitation in the Bible, Genesis 7, 1. Noah had built the ark and God says to Noah, Genesis 7, 1, Noah, come thou and all your house into the ark. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say go into the ark. That would indicate God was on the outside telling them to go in. He said come into the ark, indicating he was already on the inside welcoming them to come in. You see how that works? God will never call on you to go anywhere that he's not already there. You remember the three Hebrew teenagers in Daniel 3 when they were cast into Nebuchadnezzar's fire? Nebuchadnezzar said, man, didn't I throw three kids in the fire? I see four, and the fourth is likened to the Son of God. Whether it's in an ark, <laughs> he's there. Whether it's in a fire, he's there. 
The apostles going across the Sea of Galilee in that storm-tossed night, suddenly Jesus is walking on the water because no matter where they were, Jesus was there. So I don't know where you are as you're watching this service. I don't know the circumstance of your life, but God does. And I'm suggesting you in the middle of that, what you might call a mess, in the middle of the times of your life when you're trying to connect dots and nothing is making sense, can I tell you, if you'll be sensitive, you'll realize he is still the God of compassion. He loves you, he's connected to you, he cares for you, his heart is heavy for you. It's not an accident you're watching this service, it's not an accident you're tuned into this, it's not an accident you're feeling what you're feeling because he's wanting you to know he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one who will come into your world if everyone else walks out. Paul said, he's the God of all compassion. When David wrapped his head around what I'm talking about, here's what he said in Psalm 139, verse 8, if I go up into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold you fast. No wonder Jesus said to his apostles, when I go away, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And so he is the God of all compassion. Secondly, I will tell you the message in the mess is not only you see something of his compassion, but secondly, you see something of his comfort. He said he's the God of all compassion and he's the God of comfort. 10 times Paul speaks of comfort. It's an interesting word in the Greek is periklesis. It is the word that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26 as the comforter, the paraclete. He's the one, the idea is, who comes alongside of you when your life is tossed and your life is torn and torn and your life is in turmoil. He's the one that will come alongside of you to give you stability and to give you peace and to give you direction. It's like a little vessel out in the middle of a storm-tossed sea and suddenly the Coast Guard clipper comes alongside of them to give them hope and to give them help. He's the paraclete. He's the one who will come right alongside your life. He's the one who will make you uh, uh, understand that his purpose is there, that his presence is there, that his peace is there. In fact, it's a beautiful reality to know that in his comfort, there's sympathy. There's sympathy. Symphony, sympathy is a great emotion. It's a wonderful expression. When we go through something, people express sympathy. We send them a sympathy card. It's a beautiful thing. It's a thoughtful thing to do. But when you think of God's comfort, the word indicates more than just sympathy. It also indicates strengthening. The word comfort not only just means sympathy, it means strengthening. God is saying, look, I'm trying to make you stronger through the experience. And by the way, it means encouragement. Uh, One person said it's the idea of making them brave. Enable them to have courage in the midst of what they're going through. So when you you see the God of all comfort, you see the God at work sympathizing and strengthening and making you strong and making you brave. So Paul said, man, I'm seeing it in a light that I've never seen him before. I'm seeing it. God is full of compassion, but God is also a God of comfort. In fact, that beautiful passage in Hebrews 13, verse 5, he said, look, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I shared this with you before, but the idea of leave and forsake sounds similar, but they're very different. The idea of leaving means to remove one's physical presence from someone. To forsake means to emotionally disconnect from someone. 
You can be physically connected to someone you are emotionally disconnected to. You can be emotionally connected to someone you are physically disconnected from. And God is saying, when it comes to you, I will never physically remove my presence from you. I'll never emotionally disconnect from you. So if you're feeling alone and overwhelmed, let me tell you, he's the friend that will stick closer than a brother. And there's a message in the mess, and the message is he is a God of compassion. He is the God of all comfort. Third thought. Paul also got this message, and that was something of God's commission. God's commission. Did you see the little two words I read a moment ago? So that? So that? Paul said, I went through this mess. It was horrible. I went through this period of time. God poured into my life. He gave me comfort, the comfort that I needed, so that, so that there was a purpose, so that I now can pour into the lives of others. What's the point of purifying the mineral? The point of purifying the mineral is so that it will be of a value to someone else. When the refiner pulls the mineral out of the mountain and gets the mountain out of the mineral through that process, when he sanitizes and purifies that mineral, it makes it more valuable because of the qualities of the mineral that were already there are now fully exposed. And Paul said, I've gone through this process of being purified and prepared for what God has for me, for my purpose. And in that process, I'm realizing everything I have gone through is preparing me for where I'm going. God won't waste anything you've ever gone through in your life. The good and the bad, the happy and the sad, whatever you've gone through, God will use all things in a way that will work together for your good and for, your, and for his glory. And that's significant because in Romans 14, he said, none of us live to ourselves alone. None of us die to ourselves alone. We are interconnected with one another. We are to interact with one another. We are interdependent upon one another. We have a responsibility to one another. And I'm just suggesting you, if there's ever a, an opportunity for the church to stand up and shine, that opportunity is now. And how we ought to, as Christ followers, be a positive light in this world. People are getting inundated with negativity. I mean, it's every day and everywhere, they're getting inundated with negativity. And I wanna challenge those of you who know Christ to realize you have influence there are people that are looking to you and listening to you because you claim to follow Jesus and how significant and important it is for us to stay positive. And we have every reason to be positive. I read the last book, we win. <laughs> He's still on his throne. God is in control, right? We believe all of that. Now it's the time for us to stand on that which we say we believe and to show a skeptical doubting world that there's something to our faith. And so I'm saying it begins with just being positive. Be careful what you put out there in terms of negativity because people feed off of that. Stay positive, as positive as you possibly can. Listen to this, John 13, 35. By this, Jesus said, shall all men know you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. The greatest proof, the greatest authenticity of a Christ follower is how they love other people and how they love each other. And now is a time to express that love. Now is a time to exemplify that love, not to go dark and go negative, not to make someone's life harder. <laughs> well, I just feel led to criticize them right now. <laughs> it's called piling on, don't do that. Hold off on that criticism for a while, right? I mean, any nut with a hammer can tear something up. It takes somebody with some skill to build something. 
So be that skillful person that builds something positive in someone's life and not tearing something down. Stay positive. I remember I had a guy in my uh, church years ago, years ago. Um, he, he's in heaven now, I'm, I'm reasonably sure. I think he's one of those guys, he and I will see each other one day and we're going to surprise each other that we were both there. But he was one of the most negative guys I ever knew. And I love him, but he was just negative. Oh my gosh. He wasn't born again, he was born against, right? He was so negative. And everything that we wanted to do, and every time we asked his opinion, it was just, oh, it won't work, and here's five reasons why it won't work, and I don't know why you're, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and we'll all die. You know, I mean, he just had such a terrible outlook on life. And you could say something kind of funny, he'd never laugh, right? I'd get up every now and then, say, everybody kind of laugh, and I'd look over at him and just a scowl on his face. One weekend, he couldn't help himself. I don't remember what it was. Something happened. I said something. And all of it sounded like somebody stepping up into an old saddle, you know, when that leather bend. That was his, but that was his cheeks. He was smiling. He hadn't done that in a while. His face, you know. So anyway, but he was just such a negative guy. I remember my dad's custom was to close a service by having someone come forward and, and close in prayer. And I always wanted to call on him to pray. And here's how I wanted to do it. I wanted to say, hey, brother, would you come up here and lead us in a word of discouragement before we go? We're all looking forward to that. But it's so sad that he became known as such a negative, even his family commented on how negative he was. And I'm just saying, the ra it rains on the just and the unjust. There's no point in you, in you allowing those things in life to make you bitter. Instead, let them get you stronger and make you better because you have, ladies and gentlemen, and I have the compassion of God, the comfort of God, a commission from God to take what he's done in our life and use it in a way that makes it a difference in the lives of others. That's why in the midst of all this, I'm so proud of what God is being able to do in the life of our church. I mean, we're feeding, I, we've said this before, but I just want to underscore it again. We're feeding literally hundreds of people every week because of your generosity and because a core of our faithful volunteers make that happen. And so many people during this period of time have signed on and others have called to make us aware of families during this time who just don't have the resources to buy food. So we're stepping up and doing what we can to help all that we can. And I thank you for that. And I know God will bless you for that. And we're wanting just to expand on it. I don't know how long this is going to go on. I don't know how long we're going to be in this, but as long as we're in this, with every ounce of our being and with every dollar that is given, we're going to put it toward making a difference in the life of other people. And I would say in closing, those of you who have watched me uh, online in this service, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never connected with your Creator, what an amazing weekend this could be for you in the midst of the mess, <laughs> to connect with Jesus. Just pray a simple prayer like this. I'll lead you in it. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive my sin. And now with everything I know about me, I trust everything I know about you. Come into my heart. Again, forgive my sin. Take me to heaven with you one day, and I'll give you thanks. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to know about it. Just send us an email, make us aware through social media. Uh, we want to rejoice with you. And again, we don't know how long we're going to be doing this type of, of uh, service, but we're here as long as, uh, as it takes 
And until we're all able to meet again, uh, I was told not only are we on Facebook, but we're also YouTube, we're on our website, we're on Roku, we're on, YouTube, we're on a lot of different platforms. So if uh, you have trouble seeing us in one place, you can go to another and hopefully catch up with us. I think a lot of the online streaming services, Rob says, we're probably just overwhelmed with the number of churches that are having to stream right now. So that's probably part of it. But let's just pray that all of our sister churches are able to get the message of Jesus out during this time. We're in this together, and uh, we want to see God glorified through this all. Thank you for being here. I pray you have a wonderful week. I pray God keeps you healthy and safe and blessed. I'll see you soon. God bless you, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.